Hi everyone, I'm here to let you know about all the cool stuff we have going on this month, starting with our tea party on Instagram Live, which will be on June 24th at 3pm Eastern. If you aren't already following us on Instagram, make sure you do that, we're at the Gaily Prophet, and uh, come join us for tea and probably scones and general frivolity. Uh, Also, we have some very cool exclusive merch in our shop this month, so if you haven't already checked that out, you definitely should. And while you're there, you should get yourself a copy of our free queer rated R Harry Potter activity book. And those are available at hashtag ruthless.com slash shop. Last, if you've been considering becoming a patron of ours, this is a great time to do so because if you join during the month of June, you will receive a personalized affirmation from your gay aunt, Jessie. You'll also get access to our Buffy podcast, We Are the Gayers and our beautiful community over on Discord, and many other wonderful perks, including the second part of this here Pride Q&A episode. Uh, So that's all the things, and let's get into the app. Hello and welcome to Hashtag Ruthless, where we're doing a Pride Q&A that we're going to publish on both of our podcasts. So, you know, welcome to this one, whichever feed you're listening on. I am Mark Malachi Gray. And I am Jesse Blunt. And we are here to answer your burning questions. Yep. So we asked you to send us your questions about gender and or sexuality for our Q&A episode that we do once once a year during Pride Month. You all responded so enthusiastically that we actually are doing two. One of them will be going up on Patreon. If you don't hear your question answered in this episode, you can assume that it's in the Patreon episode. I believe we'll be answering all the questions we received. And if you're not a patron, I will email it to you. So we have a lot of questions and we're just we're just gonna get to it. We're just gonna hop right in. First question. I'm a bisexual woman who has been in a relationship with a cis man for almost four years. In the last year or so, I have been experiencing significantly less sexual attraction to my partner, and when I do feel sexually aroused, it is usually about women. When I think about what I want my life to look like, I often envision a big gathering of chosen family and a relationship with a woman instead of thinking about my partner and his kids. My partner is kind, generous, thoughtful, and honestly, it's the healthiest relationship I have ever been in. The thought of ending my relationship makes my stomach drop. I just can't shake the feeling that I would be more authentically myself if I were in a relationship that looked and felt more queer. I am increasingly feeling more trapped. Is this greener grass feeling something that I should pay attention to, or is it just going to wreck a good but sexually unsatisfactory thing? Do you want to start us off, or do you want me to start off? Sure. I think that this is a great question. I guess, like, my my biggest is therapy, and I don't know if, Jesse, I would love your input on whether that's, like, just this letter writer going to therapy, or if it's couples therapy, or if it's both. I mean, I think that depends my stance in general is that if a relationship isn't giving you what you need in your life even if it is quote unquote 
objectively like a good relationship like being in a good relationship is does not mean that you shouldn't end it if it's not giving if it's not fulfilling you in a emotional physical way in general and i think since the letter writer says that the thought of ending her relationship with her husband like doesn't feel good right now i don't know if they're married oh they say partner you're right uh with their even if their relationship with their partner if they're not quite ready to you know end it especially you know four years is a long time to like construct a life together and like you know potentially have a place there's kids involved too yeah with their uh partner's kids so i guess i think first off if you are able i would i definitely think you should consider going to therapy if that is maybe not financially or whatever other reason available to you i think that it would uh also be beneficial if you were to seek out kind of online communities of maybe on Facebook or Instagram or TikTok or even Twitter about like finding other people's narratives about potentially, you know, leaving their romantic partners, you know, to kind of live more authentically, just to kind of feel out what resonates with you and what doesn't. And maybe maybe what you're looking for is having a conversation with your partner about opening the relationship. If, you know, if you haven't had that, that nope, you're shaking your head. You don't, that's I vehemently idea. disagree. Okay. I feel, like, I feel like opening a relationship in situations like this is just an attempt to, like, softly exit a relationship. And usually it just ends up making things worse. And messier. Fair. I mean, unless they already have, like, an established, at least we would consider having an open relationship or they're already in an open relationship. But since that's not mentioned, I don't know. I've never seen anyone who's like, we're opening our relationship so that one of us can explore our sexuality, not just end up with them, like, angrily breaking up six months later when the person's like, yep, definitely wanted to be with someone different than you. That's fair. I mean, I guess, I guess just, I think that if you're, like you say, you're having more of a like greener grass feeling, but like you're, you're discontent for a reason. And I feel like you should explore that further as opposed to kind of hand waving it off because your wants and desires matter. And I think you should listen to them. Yeah. That was something that I wanted to say too, is like this last line of was like it's gonna wreck a good but sexually unsatisfying thing and like i don't know why it is that we as a society seem to want to downplay the importance of sex in relationships that involve sex like obviously romantic relationships don't have to involve sex but like ones that do i'm pretty sure like sex, money, and dishes are like the <laughs> three biggest things that people fight about in relationships. Sex is important and being satisfied sexually is important. And that's not like a, oh, this isn't a reason to break up. Like if you don't want to sleep with your partner anymore and like 
having sex is something that's important to you in your life, that's really going to matter. Like there's a limited amount of time in which you can be like, that's okay. I just like won't be sexually satisfied anymore before you're like, this isn't okay. I would like to be sexually satisfied. Right. I mean, I really kind of blame America's like puritanical purity culture bullshit on people being like, everything is great, but our sex life. And it's like, that's a pretty big butt um, if you are someone who has sexual attraction and requires having sex in a relationship as a part of it. Another thing that I was thinking about with this, though, is that, I mean, I don't know if if this is true or not, but I wonder if part of what's happening in terms of feeling dissatisfied is that you're associating the idea of sex with your partner with the idea of like feeling trapped within straightness. And if that's the case, I think there is something to possibly be explored like in couples counseling, maybe about the idea of just like, becoming more queer within the relationship that you're in i want like even though evan and i are gay i am in the position of being the only person in our extended friend group who's bringing a cis man into our extended friend group and like that can be something that like feels really weird to me sometimes that's not an in indictment of my relationship with Evan or anything of it's just like kind of weird so if you're feeling like oh I can't have queer community because I'm in a relationship that looks straight from the outside it might actually be that you and your partner just need to talk about like what does it look like for us to be more in queer community that that could be something that could possibly resolve this if that's the issue and so i think that's worth asking yourself if like what if your conception about what your relationship looks like to other people is the problem yeah no that's that is excellent advice um but uh good luck letter writer feel free to send us an update because if there's nothing that i would love more than to have an update about the questions that we answer which is all i ever want about advice columns is like okay but what happened afterwards <laughs> yeah, totally all right uh hi Larkin and jesse i'm in need of some advice and i always love listening to your pride month episodes so i figured this would be a perfect place to ask i'm still really confused about my sexuality i believe i am probably somewhere on the asexual aromantic spectrum but i think i am also some combination of biromantic and or bisexual I feel like my sexuality and romantic interests don't always match. For now, I have been labeling myself queer or using no label, but I'm finding this makes understanding my own identity and the, and the prospect of dating really confusing. Additionally, I am so unsure of everything. Do you have any advice on how to live without labels while still finding love and community? Well, letter writer, I feel like... <laughs> I feel like, honestly... Figuring out your sexuality sometimes is a, I don't want to say a lifelong process, but an always happening process. And I, I don't, I don't think that being asexual slash aromantic and being bioromantic slash bisexual are mutually exclusive things. You can be both. That's what the gray umbrella is for. (laughs) That is the joy of a 
spectrum. Yes. And I'm going to just have a blanket statement that everything I know about ace identity and asexuality is from Tumblr and TikTok. <laughs> so definitely recommend finding some folks talking about asexuality and aromantic stuff on maybe those platforms just to kind of get a sense of how, you know, real folks are living their lives and how they're. Yeah, I would definitely, I mean, honestly, there are so many really lovely, really comprehensive breakdowns of the ace arrow spectrum. I think my biggest advice to this letter writer is just to look up gray asexuality and read about it. I think that demisexual and demiromantic might be exactly what you're looking for because it falls basically right between the two things that you are feeling like you might be. Actually, one of my favorite TikTokers who does a lot of very funny like Batman comic uh, content... <laughs> posted a video recently where they were talking about how they're it was sort of like in the kind of like internal dialogue where it's like you're sex repulse but you still want to dress sexy and the end is just like no sex only sexy and I'm like that's great like you know yeah why does dressing sexy have to like it doesn't have to have anything to do with like sex or wanting to have sex and I'm like yeah great so like there isn't there isn't a cap on like how you can identify or not identify and i mean you you are part of the queer community oh yeah i wrote (laughs) they're like i I don't belong in the queer community because i'm still so so unsure of everything and i was like new replacement for queer as in fuck you is queer as in confused about everything That oh. is queer culture, and therefore you absolutely belong in the queer community. Yeah, I mean, there there's definitely folks who, from childhood, know exactly a, about their gender and sexual identity. A lot of us are just like, what? Okay, what? This is, I guess this is a thing now, cool. And sometimes this, that's just part of the journey. And, uh, it, you know, and you should totally go out and definitely find some folks online. TikTok is full of queer people. I recommend this for anyone of any age, honestly, because I have, I feel like even like things about my own <laughs> sexuality and gender identities are like watching TikToks and it's, it's just great. There's so many beautiful queer people out on the internet. Yeah, definitely seek out, seek, uh, I don't want you letter writer to think that because you're concerned that you're not strictly ace arrow that you can't join forums or communities of ace arrow people i promise you that within those communities there are people all over the ace arrow spectrum unless it explicitly says that isn't the case you're definitely going to find folks in there who are talking about being demisexual um, or demiromantic or both so yeah just seek out seek out places where people are talking about their experiences for sure. Yeah. All right. Next question. Hello there. I hope you're doing well. I have two questions. The first is serious and needs context. My younger sibling, she, they, 16, and I are very queer. We're both sapphic and they are in the process of figuring out their gender identity. 
Our mother is great, but our older sister and especially our father are often disrespecting when disrespectful when my sibling asks them to use or not use certain words for them, and they demand explanations and for them to be able to tell them exactly how they feel and give details about their identity. Reminder, they are 16. My sibling and I talked about this a lot, and I offered for them to tell me what I can say to my father and sister when a situation is getting difficult because it is often hard for them to find the right words or defend themselves in such stressful situations. I often feel helpless, though, so I would love to hear what you guys as fellow queer people would do in my situation or what advice you have to offer. My second question is not so serious, but very important nonetheless. I have yet to find a good resource for safe queer porn made by and for queer people. So I guess if you know of some place, drop that info. I'm so done with that obviously made by and for cishet white dudes joke of lesbian bullshit. You're awesome. Thanks so much for offering to do this. So serious answer first. Yeah. Um, it's great. Like your sibling is super lucky to have you. I couldn't tell from the way the letter was written if their sibling had been able to, like, give an answer to the question of what can I say, which I guess my answer kind of depends on, like, if they were able to give you that information, it can still be really stressful in antagonistic situations to interrupt and to step in, especially if you're worried that it's going to escalate things. So I feel like if you have the information from your sibling, it's really just a matter of taking that information and what you know of your family and attempting to apply the information in a way that's going to be safe for your sibling and for yourself. Um, So that could be, and again, it's probably up to your sibling to some extent, like, do you want me to do it in the moment? Or do you want me to take them aside after? Do you want me, like, if I do interrupt them in the moment, do you want me to say like this whole thing? Or do you want me just to like, I mean, the, the, most simple version of it is like they use the wrong your dad uses the wrong pronoun and you just keep using the right pronoun until he realizes what he did and corrects himself so you can do that but if that is gonna like make your sibling feel uncomfortable or less safe or whatever then don't do that (laughs) i wish that i had a little bit more information about about what this conversation between the letter writer and their sibling looked like yeah yeah i all right you're gonna have to tell me if this is like helpful or not but letter writer you don't mention your own age i mean you 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 give us you know some context of what's going on so i'm going to assume that you also live in the home with your sibling and your mother and your parents and your older sister i think that you and your younger sibling should discuss and maybe start making a plan for how to get out of this house i mean i think it's complicated because there is a minor in in the mix so i want to not assume that it's possible to get the kid out before they turn 18 i mean i guess i was i guess i was thinking in two years when the sibling is no longer a minor i mean again who knows what two years now is gonna look like and we have like the worst housing i mean if if you're in the u.s terrible housing market it's not the same necessarily for an 18 year old to be like i'm not living if i'm not living in the college dorm i'm out i mean two years is a long time to wait though i think in the meantime 
I understand that your sibling might not be able to say exactly what they would like from you. So I would maybe go to them with some specific offers. Like, do you want me to correct, you know, your dad and your sister every time they use the wrong pronoun? Do you want me to correct them every time they use the wrong name? Do you want me to shut them down when they try to demand that you explain yourself and then let them tell you what they want you to do in those circumstances? It would also probably or possibly be helpful to put together, like go together on the internet and find things that resonate with them that you can then put together a resource guide and give it to your dad and your sister And whenever they start doing that, be like, oh, that is answered in that one article that I sent you, remember? So you don't need to ask it now. I also wonder if you and your sibling can go to your mom and get enlist her help, because if she's great about it, she should be part of this this team. I was just about to say that, um, because as someone who had a very absent mom um, and did some parroting of a, of a younger sibling. I mean, you don't really say much about what your mom is doing in these times, but she is still your parent, and you should definitely talk to her about trying to get her to step in in these tense, situ- in these fraught situations with the person she's in a relationship with and her other child, because it is yeah. deeply unfair to you as a caring sibling to have this sort of dynamic of having to protect your younger sibling from other members of your family and your mom, who is an adult, question mark letting this happen, question mark ignoring it, any other kind of ways in which people sort of can shut down during tense situations. Um, Um, And then in answer to your second question, I'm just going to give you, I'm going to read one link. It'll be in the show notes also, but it should answer all of your needs besides Jesse's recommendation, which is going to be fanfic. <laughs> and actually, well, yeah, I was going to mention fanfic, but. <laughs> um, so I want you to go to pinklabel.tv slash on demand studio guide ethical porn for newbies. And there is a dash in between each one of those words. And you are going to find the most comprehensive guide of porn made by and for queer people on the internet. And it's super helpful. And I think it's updated regularly, too. Uh, I was actually just going to say that uh, a lot of my porn conception is fan fiction, which maybe is not up your alley, which is totally fine. But I was actually going to suggest OnlyFans. Oh, that too. Which you're directly giving money to the content creator. And I just did a quick Google search of queer women OnlyFans. And it looks like... It looks like there is some link roundups and kind of even people promoting lesbian couple only fans um, or whatever kind of porn you're looking you're looking for. So and yeah, OnlyFans isn't just people taking naked photos of themselves. There are couples who are posting videos of themselves having sex and I'm sure other things. Yeah, that's that would just be a way to just like be. I mean, ethical porn. Definitely looking up ethical porn is good, but like. That would be a way of directly. All of the porn studios and actors in the places listed on the link are queer owned. Cool. So yeah, it is also 
only giving money to queer people. But OnlyFans is also a great, great recommendation. Oh, The Advocate has a 13 trans and non-binary adult performers to follow on OnlyFans. I'm going to snooze that for later. (laughs) All right, will you read our next question? Yes, I will read the next question. Um, Hi, I'm a queer, non-binary, fantasy-obsessed teen who probably has ADHD. I have a couple questions for your Pride Q&A. How do you politely correct your parents on pronouns? It came out recently and they haven't used they, them once that I have heard. And how do you come out to groups you are in, i.e. scouts or sports? We actually got several questions about how to come out to like groups of friends. And I want this to be sort of like a sweeping recommendation to everyone, which is that you don't actually owe anyone, like even your best friend, a sit down any more than you would owe them a sit down if you were coming out as straight. But since you do need to update them right on like gender and and pronouns, I am a huge fan of using like the close friends function on Instagram or like specific list function on Facebook if you're still on that hellhole or like a group text or an email and just say exactly what you want and need from these folks. So you could, you can do this in many ways. You could like tell one or two people and ask them to tell everyone else for you. That's fine. You can make an announcement in a like closed and safe way and say, I'm accepting congratulations, but no questions, or I'm accepting questions, but first I need you to read these three articles or, you know, whatever. Just like do it in a way where you get to set the terms before you interact one-on-one with the people again, unless you know exactly how they're going to come out come out how they're going to respond but you get to you get to control the narrative in this so however that looks for you but just even though it might feel weird to be like you are allowed to say hey congratulations that's awesome and nothing else like you you do get to say that though if they feel weird about it you have like made it very clear that they're not allowed to tell you that they feel weird about it and then if they do tell you you get to be like I already set a boundary around this, so I'm not going to be able to have this conversation with you. Also, congratulations. <laughs> yes, super congratulations. That's awesome. Uh, and as for your parents, I think you just have to keep correcting them. You, you don't mention if you've uh, changed your name or anything, but pretend like if someone mispronounced your name or put a random Y on it or like shortened it in a way that you like weren't that you were that you didn't care about and you're like oh actually it's jesse not jessica you can just be like no it's i'm not he it's they them right and he's unfortunately have to kind of keep doing it yeah within reason i think there's a point at which you get to be like hey you're really hurting me this feels really terrible when you do it i actually really recommend I mean, assume, assuming you're asking, like, how do I politely correct them? I assume it went okay when you came out to them. I would recommend having them, you know, read stuff on the internet that resonates with you. But also something that's really helpful is having people who are inexperienced using they, them pronouns do this brain exercise where you have them assign pronouns to various household objects 
And every time they use or interact with the object in their heads, they would be like, uh, okay, so the blender is she. So like, I'm gonna make this smoothie in the blender. Like I'm switching her on. I'm like pouring this out of her, whatever. And then after like a week, once they've gotten really used to it, they change the pronouns for all of the things, switch them from whatever they were to something else. And obviously including the they, them pronoun in that mix and then switch it again because it really is about brain elasticity and like rewiring your neurons to get used to using they, them pronouns in a singular way about a person that you know, even though we all do it all the time about people that we don't know. But if you present it to your parents in that way, where it's like, hey, I understand that this actually is because you're not used to doing it. And here is this thing that I found that works for people on how to train their brains, because I know that you aren't intentionally hurting me and you wouldn't do it if you had a choice. Here's a thing I found that you can try. If they're cool and accepting, hopefully they'll do that. Yeah, for sure. And congrats. I'm coming out as a teen. I'm real happy for you. All right. So we're going to read two letters, or I'm about to read two letters that have the same vibe. And then we're going to give one answer for both letters. All right. So first one says, hello, Larkin Jesse. First, I really love your work and it helps me relieve my stress in a funny and energetic way. You two are extremely hilarious and deserve all the support you get and more. Thank you. Anyway, my question. I was wondering if you can be trans without dysphoria. I've been told that there's no way. Have you had dysphoria? And I haven't grown up in a very open area. Also, is non-binary even a trans identity? People have told me that it isn't, and I don't want to claim an identity that isn't mine. Sorry if my question sounds silly. Thank you and have an amazing day. Second letter says... Hello. First off, I want to say that I absolutely adore both The Gaily Prophet and Escape from Reality. Escape from Reality is basically the podcast of my dreams. Oh, thank you. I know. And now on to my question for the Pride Q&A episode. I am gender fluid. Sometimes I'm aligned with my assigned gender at birth. Other times I'm not. Can I call myself trans? I would never claim a label that didn't belong to me, but by that logic, I'm not cis either. The label cis feels confining and decidedly not me, but calling myself trans might make me feel as if I'm stealing the label from people who are more trans than me. I'm stuck between two worlds. I'm not entirely cis, but not trans enough to belong to the trans community either. Also, can I still call myself sapphic even though I'm not female or non-binary 100% of the time? I'm so glad that we got these letters because I've been seeing like such upsetting and disturbing content on both TikTok and Instagram lately about the trans non-binary discourse and people, non-binary people overwhelmingly explaining that they're not trans because they haven't transitioned. And like, I would like to take this moment to let everyone know that the fact that transgender and transition both have the word trans in them is a coincidence. (laughs) And those things are not related to one another in any way (laughs) at all you can be a binary trans person and not transition in any way and you are still a binary trans person i do not understand where this is it's coming from like evil trans medicalists and like turfs who are infiltrating 
and it's really bad because it's getting into corners where it does like should not have seeped but everyone can let that go right now if you're non-binary you're trans unless you really don't want to identify that way that's your choice but like it has nothing to do with transitioning yeah and there there isn't however you describe yourself like there isn't a scarcity of that identity hell yeah i know that it can feel like on the internet that there's a lot of gatekeeping as if you have to like somehow be quote-unquote trans enough or queer enough or bi enough or whatever that's not how identity works there's not like a cutoff if you feel that you're like i'm a trans person there you go yeah no one's gonna like stomp in and be like no you can't i mean maybe on the internet those people those people suck if anyone says it to you fuck them in fact you can forward me their information and i'll go (laughs) on the internet and be like fuck you yeah yeah and i think there's um there's a a good reason that we're moving towards instead of saying trans and non-binary people to saying binary and non-binary trans people because the trans and transgender means not your assigned gender at birth in the same way that like i like we were talking about earlier with like the the shades of asexuality you're not if you're a demisexual person you're not not part of the ace community because every once in a while or like with specific people sometimes you are interested in sex or like you're sex neutral sometimes that doesn't make you not asexual if you are something other than the gender you were assigned at birth you qualify as trans and you get to own that label And to the gender fluid person, you're not like trans when you're one gender and then like kicked out of the trans community when you are aligned with your gender that you were assigned at birth. Like you get to call yourself trans all the time and you can explain to people like I'm gender fluid and trans or you can just say I'm gender fluid and assume that they understand or even if you don't assume that they understand if that's what feels the rightest to you. But the idea that there's people who are quote unquote more trans than you who make it so that you don't qualify as trans is like, it's nonsense. And I invite you to just like throw it into the sea and never look at it again. Yeah, for sure. Specifically to the gender fluid person, I want to do a book recommendation as problematic as Rick Riordan is. And these books are even though they're, I think, wonderful, they're also extremely problematic. Uh, The Magnus Chase series, the second and third book, have a main character who is a gender-fluid trans person and is a very fun character who... I don't don't know a ton about being gender-fluid. I don't know how much this character will resonate with you. (laughs) They do, like, come onto the scene demanding to not be expected to speak for every gender fluid person out there which i think is really great (laughs) but yeah that that series is like really gay and it might be nice for you to read something with a character that shares their identities yeah and the sapphic thing oh the sapphic thing um yes you can still call yourself sapphic i mean I think there is a, a tendency among some folks to really double down 
on the strict definition of what this identity label is. And that is ridiculous because it is it 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 restricts, say, what a sapphic person can be. And you can definitely call yourself sapphic because I feel like that only expands what that means. And if that isn't like the queerest thing, then I don't know what is. I I feel like the like kind of one of the whole tenets of queerness is that it's it's an expansive thing. It has depth and layers that cis het identity does not pretends that it doesn't have and tries to often violently stamp down. Mm-hmm. And unfortunately, a lot of queer folks have, in fact, internalized some of the turfy language about only cis women can be sapphic or lesbians, and that's bullshit. That is not true. So yes. Yeah, I would just say I want you to... I think it's worth exploring what about that term resonates with you so that you know, not because I think that you shouldn't use it. I think that you should. Like, if it feels right to you, then I absolutely think that you should use it. I saw someone who I really respect on the internet talking about how they are a non-binary lesbian because they don't identify as the gender they were assigned at birth, but they have female body parts and are attracted to women and that makes them a lesbian and i was like wait a second wait a second (laughs) that's not you just reduced like everyone else with the body parts that you have to being women and also like excluded anyone who doesn't have those body parts from that definition like that's real fucked up and they were very angry that people were like this is super transphobic um but it is and so like I do think it is worth whenever if you have a question like, okay, my gender changes, but this term sapphic feels right to me. I think it's worth having an answer about why that is, especially if people are in good faith coming to you asking about what it means about like your attraction to other like non-binary people or whatever. I do think it's worth being like, no, I've actually thought this through and I I know why this is the term that feels right to me. Yeah. I guess I feel like it's just such a shame because I feel like terps especially have made, I think, I feel like I understand a lot of people who think identifying as lesbian is sort of a fraught term. Mm-hmm. And in a different way than I feel of people who are like, why do you use queer? Because I feel very strongly about queer and I... I think the dialogue, the discourse around that is a little bit like, okay, but for real. But I definitely understand given kind of the history of the word lesbian and kind of the ways in which it has been used. I kind of understand people being like, I don't actually want to identify. (laughs) Yeah. And I think it also, it does get tricky too, because a lot of people who want, who do identify as like lesbian or sapphic will be like, to me, that means like, women and non-binary people and it's like do you mean assigned female non-binary people in which case do you actually believe that those people are non-binary or do you really mean non-binary people and in that case like what is the attachment to using a term that indicates that you're only attracted to women and i i think there there is a lot of fraughtness around it especially in like more queer community 
I don't think people should stop using it, but I do think that people should sit sit with it and know yeah. the answers to those questions because the better we're able to talk about our identities and what they mean with each other, not like explaining them to cis people, the the better and like more inclusive and encompassing our community becomes. So Yeah, exactly. And and just in the uh just to be very upfront, I honestly feel like I've only seen people use like the first time I saw people using sapphic like this, it was on Instagram via meme accounts. <laughs> so I even haven't necessarily even looked up like what people are saying sapphic entails. Um besides me using context clues about Sappho and Sapphic um, and looking at a lot of Instagram memes, uh, which which is to say that even I need to do some research because I, I I mean, I don't know. But I think the real moral of the story is that both of these writers are valid as fuck. And there's no such thing as someone being more trans than someone else. And you get to call yourselves trans. Absolutely. Exactly. Precisely. <laughs> All right. Last question. All right. Hi, Jesse and Lark. I started listening to your podcast around three months ago and have, and they have been such a blessing. I came out as bi a year ago and like to dream about a future relationship with a gal in the new LGBTQ friendly Oregon town I could be moving to. Congratulations. Sounds great. Uh, and thank you. Uh, however, I struggle with confidence, especially when I see all of the hot masculine gals in media who I feel I could never compare to. Is it just my mind telling me that men or male presenting people get all of the luck? Should I try harder to embrace my soft butch self and stop throwing a pity party? You should fully embrace your soft butch self wholeheartedly. And I also think that it is really really baked into the into our society to be comparing ourselves to people that we see on TV or the internet and please please don't do that to yourself um you are uh beautiful and valid just the way that you are and you don't need to have an expensive fitted suit or a super sharp haircut to present to the world in order to find companionship uh you should be the best you that you can that you should be the best you that you want to be and start practicing some conversation starters. I feel like queer Pacific Northwest is a, is a vibe. I don't know. Hiking. I was about to say, you don't need to change your wardrobe. You just need to get really into going hiking and you'll be <laughs> just fine. <laughs> That's what we do around here. We go hiking. Um, yeah, I think... My real question here is like, if you try to be something that you're not in order to get the ladies, you will have found your person under false pretenses and you'll have to like come out to them as secretly a soft butch. And that's not fun. Soft butches are great. You should, you should get one of our Hagrid prints and put it up on your wall. And every morning, just look at it and be like, Yes, this is this is great. This is what I want. Or if you really want to embrace your femme side, I feel like there's kind of a general this general idea that the only way to signal that you're queer is wearing straight leg jeans and like a flannel shirt. And that won't work for you in Portland. 
So you just give up now. <laughs> That's what we all look like. <laughs> and so if, you, if, if, if you're the kind of person where you, you want to look soft femme, hard femme, cottage core femme, I mean, that, I mean, there's probably going to be a lot of straight people who are going to, who might not clock you as queer, but queer people know. And especially if you're moving to a, a, a queer friendly town, there's probably queer hangouts, queer coffee shops, queer bars you can go to. I mean, I guess pandemic, uh, but maybe local online queer communities that you can be a part of. And I think despite what a lot of queer online content tells you, I mean, there are people who are femme for femme and femme for butch. So looking mask or looking butch isn't the only way of signaling to other people that you're looking for a queer lady to co- to hook up with. Yeah. And I think just because of how the patriarchy fucks with us all, you know, there's this idea that like all queer ladies are just super super butch and super mask, but like that's <laughs> that's that's not true. And and honestly in reality, you're go- like the person you you, you want to be with is going to be the person who's like, "Yes, I'm here for your whatever your gender presentation is. Like if someone isn't into that, you, you don't want to be with them anyway because they suck. Right. Or not, not that they suck, but they're not the person for you. Right. Like you want someone who's going to be like, oh, I love that you like baking and flowers. Sorry, I'm just... <laughs> these are these are the soft things that I like. So I'm like baking I know, and I flowers. Was like, I was going to say you should, you should follow soft butch people on the internet too. You could start with Jesse. <laughs> but like... I don't know. Yeah, you can you can throw yourself like one more pity party. And during that pity party, you should go put like three pastel floral button downs in a cart on the internet. And whenever you get paid next, you can buy yourself those button downs. And you can be like, this is my soft butch best self. And I'm going to go forward. These are my like, feeling confident shirts. Yeah. And and that's it's my homework for you. <laughs> yeah, I often have what I what I often do for my softest looks is go into a thrift store to the women's section and ask myself what is the outfit or shirt that a like 40-year-old gay man would wear like a dandy fag and uh if I see something just like yes, this is something just want you to know you might want to up your number because Evan is very soon going to be a 40-year-old gay man. So <laughs> reach further. I, I guess I'm decades. thinking like if it looks like it would be an outfit on the birdcage worn uh, in that movie, then I know that I have found the faggiest of <laughs> of like ladies' clothing. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that works. So yeah, and like yeah, uh, go check out Instagram and TikTok and like I don't know what the keywords you're looking for about your identity, but that is definitely a place to find people that have the look that you're looking for. And also, when you see those hot mask ladies in the media, um, they have a fuck ton of money. Those suits are expensive. Yeah. Uh, even as much as I would love to have Janelle Monae's wardrobe, uh, she's famous, and those suits are probably tailored to her, and they're hella expensive. <laughs> Yeah. So, you know, a, a lot of us can't compare to that because a lot of us are not rich. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Uh, yep. Yeah. So Le- yeah. Lean into you. I would I would definitely not take your confidence struggle in the direction of trying to change who you are. I would take it in the direction of trying to embrace who you are. 
And fuck yeah, just hit up thrift stores until you are like, this is me. And then you're going to feel confident and confidence is the sexiest thing that you can that you can wear. So, you know. Yeah. All right. We got to wrap up. Keep an eye on our socials, probably for an announcement of when the part two goes up on our Patreon. Thank you for listening to this episode brought to you by hashtag Ruthless Productions, creators of both The Gaily Prophet and Escape from Reality, one of which you're listening to right now. Both podcasts are produced, mixed, and edited by me. And you can find out all about us at hashtag ruthless.com. You can also find us on Patreon at patreon.com slash the Gaily Prophet or on Instagram and Twitter at the Gaily Prophet. Uh, the music and our theme song is by Kevin McLeod. Our show art is by Theo Julian Forrester. And until next time.